You are listening to Digging In Podcast, presented by Rooted Wealth Advisors. Hey there, welcome into another episode of the Digging In Podcast, presented by Rooted Wealth Advisors. I'm your host, Kinjo Kelly, helping you get those questions answered to and through retirement. Today, back by popular demand... The man, the man, the myth, the legend, the founder of Rooted Wealth Advisors, the champion cattle showman, the D1 college athlete, record holder for the most a- yards averaged by a tight end in NCAA history, Zach Gray. I think to have an average, you have to have more <laughs> than one. And I only had one. I didn't, um, I didn't read the fine print. And I don't know that I'm back by popular demand, but um, I am excited to be back nonetheless and uh, dig in. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be popular, right? You and John were vying for the most views on the on the first two podcasts. So people always interested, I feel like, to hear your story. You're the you're the founder. You have this mystique about you. We talk about the school of Zach Gray and learning these lessons all the time. You don't want to go there. You just walk around handing them out. Uh, so yeah, no, I think it's definitely popular demand. Well, I'm excited to chat and, um, once again, kind of dig in to where the name came from, I believe, but uh, always fun, can share whatever stories are need be and try to be of some value to you listening as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we've got some news happening um, recently about student loan debt. From the school of Zach Gray? From the <laughs> <laughs> is, if, is Zach Gray um, bailing out student loans? Is that, um, is that what I'm hearing? I'm not. I'm okay. not. No. All right. Well, it must be the other guy in the Oval Office then. Um, so I, I I have heard very just high level type headline things around this. All I really know myself not being an advisor is kind of what I'm like hearing from different outlets and different places. Um, I just don't know like what's real. What what would be the consequences of student loan forgiveness? What would that look like? I feel like personally for myself and my wife who have paid off our student loans, it kind of feels like we're kind of left behind going, Hey, Hey, what, what, what's going on here? So help walk me through what's going on. Why is it such a hot topic? Well, I mean, I think it's a hot topic because a lot of people have that debt. It's the number one, um, unfunded debt in the world and definitely in our country. So it's interesting to take that perspective on it, right? So no doubt is it affecting folks. Um, that all said, I think that what the next hang up with that is sometimes is that we believe that sometimes, you know, a college degree is going to equate to, to dollars earned. And that's not always the case. I grew up in a blue collar family, uh, worked, you know, my father worked in, in kind of more of like a road construction business. My brother still does. Um, also kind of in a farming background um, of once again, my brother kind of, you know, kind of went into that, you know, arena as well. So I guess where I'm going with this comment is, is that I think that for so long there was this equivalent to, you know, some sort of college degree and that that was going to equate to a solid income. And we know that that's not necessarily always the case and it's become more and more prevalent. I think that when you think about debt and debt forgiveness, though, I think that there's a couple things that come into play. I mean, we're not here to dive deep on politics. You know, I'm sure you listening have your own perspective on things and your own thoughts on things. And that's the great thing about being an American, right? We have our own views. 
However, I do think some of it's fairly political, in my opinion. Um, and I think that that's not just my take. I and mean, you can kind of turn on television and see that that's really the broad take. And I do believe that this is coming back around because, frankly, we have another election coming back around. And that is something that, you know, maybe they're currently, you know, from the, the viewpoint of Washington trying to hang their hat on. Thus, I think that it could potentially equate to votes. And I sadly think that that is the case with a lot of bills that get passed in Washington. Republican or Democratic in nature doesn't really matter. It's kind of supporting that that base. Now, the problem with that, as I see it, is not necessarily politics. I don't think that you should be persuaded by some sort of carrot that's dangled. I would hope that everyone watching, that you stay true to yourself and true to your views and, and your you know morals and your thoughts and so on. But nonetheless, that is the world we're living in. The issue that I see, though, with it as being the biggest one is inflation. Because right now, we're raising interest rates at an all-time fast pace, historically speaking. We've already raised rates, you know, percent and a half in 2022, uh, up into the point that we're, we're doing this podcast. It's projected that we might see another big you know, couple bumps throughout the end of the year. And it's really all with the efforts to tame inflation. So I think that we circle back to, you know, a couple things there. And so I'll, I'll just I'll dive in, in, into, in, into kind of like a rabbit hole on this is, well, if we don't slow spending, we're going to have a really tough time taming inflation. And we're seeing this throughout 2022. You don't have to take my word on it. You don't have to be an economist. It's just very easy to see. You know, even with us raising interest rates, and if we go back to late spring, we were expecting, oh, you know what? We really, we really attacked this. We ought to be seeing these numbers go down. And all of a sudden, it was like, instead of them going down, year over year inflation went up by a half a point. And then it got to a point where instead of it being in the eights, it was now at nine plus percent year over year inflation. And so what I think is interesting about any sort of spending, and like this could go though once again back to, hey, you know, Trump spent a fair amount of money in Washington with COVID. Uh, Biden followed it up and spent some more. There was like, you know, some more like build back better bills. Say that one mm -hmm. five times faster. Yeah, no thanks. Um, but I think, you know, there was a lot of stuff out there. And I think that some of the reasons that they got slowed in Washington on some of that is because... Once again, we knew inflation was a massive issue. So I would circle the fact that, you know, debt forgiveness is obviously something that's going to be tough. Like, I mean, how is that fair to you and your wife? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I was blessed to, to have a, a football scholarship, but though it was still a ton of work, led to back surgeries, I, I wish that it would have played out different in my college days. But, you know, I chose that path. You chose a certain path of, of having to be just financially responsible. I think that that's my 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 personal issue with it is that though i think it is politically driven and then i think that the overarching issue forget my thoughts or kinch your thoughts it's the fact that this will be a lot more spending and if we were tracking inflationary data today the way that we did in the late 70s early 80s we would be looking well past double digit inflationary numbers numbers that would land in the teens and if i'm being honest you have a young family that's the way it feels when I go to the grocery store. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an, you've heard me tell this story, I think. Yep. Uh, we did a workshop here not too long ago. 
it was etched into my brain because I just got done doing some grocery shopping with my wife, which is interesting in itself. We have four young kids. You know, we try to get them in the cart. And we have no problem. We have we have no room for the food in the cart. But two nonetheless, carts. you're a two-cart family. Oh, we are a two-cart family for sure. Darn near three because we need one for the actual groceries. Hey. We try to keep them corralled. <laughs> but, you know, when we checked out, they were ringing it up. And they got to the end. I'm stacking the, the groceries away. Jenna says, hey, you know, you got your credit card on you. I walk over there. I look at the machine. The machine's clearly broken, okay, because it says 590-some dollars. And I'm going, no, 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 no. You must have rang up the (laughs) other people's food. You weren't buying the Xbox or the PlayStation? No, I didn't have anything (laughs) fun there. And I thought, well, no, like there must have been a little little plastic thing. Oh, yeah. And they must have accidentally rung up the people's food behind me. But oh, we, wow. We weren't going to do that Starbucks thing where you buy the <laughs> car behind you. <laughs> no. No, no. But no, that was legitimate, right? Like, so all joking aside, what used to be, you know, a couple 300 bucks is literally 500 plus dollars. And that's going to get us a good way through the month. Right. But that's, it's, it's wild. And I guess my point here is, whew, after getting off that soapbox, is just to say like, that's the problem with consistent spending. And, and that is ultimately some of the issues that we saw going back to my spring comment. You know, we started to help out uh, Ukraine. Uh, and I'm not here to say that that's not something that maybe is needed. Uh, you know, they need help. But that spending, even though we were raising interest rates at an all-time clip, it wasn't enough to stop from the, the hemorrhaging of the spend, which is then once again back to printing dollars, inflationary concerns, et cetera. And so that's where I see the big issue of just saying, well, hey, let's cut a massive check because that's what's already got us into this issue. And once again, not here to say that COVID spending wasn't a wasn't a good thing. Um, you know, I think some people really, really needed assistance. I think some some of the spending was maybe questionable. But the point is, is that we stepped in, we did what we thought was right at the time. I'm not the one in Washington calling the shots. I wouldn't want that responsibility. But it's important to understand that inflation is the key here on stroking those big checks. And I think kind of what I think was maybe missing in my mind and maybe a lot of people's mind is the money has to come from somewhere, even though it's called debt forgiveness. Like the universities are still getting paid. They're still getting money. They're not just going to write it off and be like, hey, best of luck. Great job. Like the money's got to come from somewhere. And I think that that's maybe the missing piece in a lot of people's mind. They hear forgiveness, but really more people are just going to end up paying for it, right? The piper has to be paid at some point. You would think, right? There's no IOUs. There's no money trees that I know of anyway. Um, and I think that, yes, right? Like, then it becomes this question of, okay, so now that, you know, you start to get these dominoes falling that direction, what's the next one that has to fall? In my opinion, it's very clear cut that it's going to be taxes. Um, maybe that's, you know, something that you've, you know, watching, heard us talk about on this podcast, or you've seen on our television programs or our radio shows. But yeah, someone's got to pay for it somehow, some way. And so ultimately, I only see that being taxes, which of course drives that higher. And it actually, I read an interesting report was that the cost of doing the debt forgiveness would thus be eradicated. And then, of course, massive cash flows for decades and decades and decades based around the tax bill that they would thus have to pass to eradicate the debt. And if you think about it in that way, there's some truth to that. Think about your own personal mortgage, right? It's not the home that you bought for 300000 or whatever the number is. 
It's the fact that over the course of 30 years, you've got all this extra interest. And if you think about that in terms of those interest percentiles just being excess that you're going to have to pay on the money that you earn, and now forget they're going, hey, in the short term, we can eradicate this problem. I think that there is some politics, there's some voting, there's a lot of other reasons that I frankly are, are not, in my opinion, great reasons to do this. But then on past that point, they're going, hey, listen, but if we did then adjust tax code or tax bills and get them pushed through Washington, hey, not only is this going to, over the course of some time, era- you know, take care of this, this, this debt forgiveness, and now all of a sudden we're rolling in the gravy, right? Because we've already paid for that. But is the chances of us reducing that back down? In the state of Illinois, I think of toll roads, okay? Right. You've been up towards Chicago, right? It's like, hey, we're only going to have the toll roads until we get the road paid for, yeah. right? No big deal. Yeah, guess what? Years. The road always needs fixed in a toll road. 40 years later, <laughs> folks, the toll roads are still there. And I think what's, I think, and also an, a very interesting statistic, and we can kind of start to wrap up with this, is that... You know, almost 60%. I read one report that it was at 57, but let's just let's just call it, you know, and one that was actually just above 60, but let's just call it 60. 60% of those with debt have grad degrees. Okay. And if you think about it, there's probably some justification to that, right? I mean, if you're going to be a doctor, see now, like when you went to school, Kinch, for eight years, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. No, um, you know, um, no, I'm just, they it should have been, they could, it could have been doctors. Uh, but no, I mean, all the, he didn't, by the way, folks. But I think it's interesting is, is that, um, yeah, I mean, Hey, a doctor, you know, that's, that's, that is literally in, in the, in the, in the process of getting that degree, chances of them being comfortable with carrying some debt load out yeah. I mean, they know that, that, hey, if I can get this degree, if I can have the specialized degree that not a lot of people can achieve, of course, that usually equates to some cash flow outside of it. Very specific. But what I found interesting was is just, yeah, out of all those folks, you know, and it, it was just interesting to read it in that manner, right? So it's like, now, are we really helping those that potentially need it? Or once again, is this something that's a little bit more beyond the thinking of like foundational financial concepts, is this a little bit more for, for political, you know, banter, et cetera, et cetera. I think potentially yes, because once again, here we are saying, well, out of those that do have the debt, 60% of those, and I, and and I'm going to probably botch this up, but it was like, you know, roughly a third of those that have, you know, kind of gone through higher education have some sort of debt the other two thirds have paid it off themselves. Then once again, out of that respective third, and this was the rough numbers that I read in the second report, you know, almost two thirds of them, you know, would be those with grad degrees, right? So it's like, hey, are we really, you know, are we really making the impact that really helps the paycheck to paycheck family? I'll leave that for everyone else's debate. That's interesting. I heard a couple things there. I know that in my family, there's a fair amount of doctors and teachers. Now, a lot of the teachers have gone on for those above and beyond degrees, the masters, the doctorates. Um, and some of my sister-in-law is currently working on her masters. The school that she's working at has a program that, that actually pays for part of it. Um, my, my cousin is the radiologist, right? During his, uh, I'm going to botch this terribly because I don't know the medical order of like resident and all that stuff. Like in his time, it was like you spend so many years at the hospital 
and they pay off your all your medical loans, right? And so those are medical loans are a beast in and of themselves. So there's already, I feel like there already are programs in place based on employers or places of, of work like that. I don't know, and maybe that's just me, that the government should be really stepping in there. But the other thing I heard you say is we could really fix the problem if we just cap the interest rate on student loans. Did you just solve did you just solve the biggest problem yourself by like capping it? Because I did read something and I'm going to botch the statistic again. I think it goes back to like the fifties or sixties, the normal like wage has increased at a certain percent, but the college tuition since then has increased over 300%. And so it's like one of these things is not like the other. And so that the real predatory thing about the student loan sometimes is that the interest rates. Yeah. And, and it's and it's interesting that you say that. Um, and I'll just give a quick example to, to maybe even wrap up this thought is just, you know, so my sister, Whitney, um, super smart gal, really proud of her, you know, um, great mom and, and also got a great degree, kind of like a physical therapy background got her master's, don't really understand all of the, the neat things that she achieved, but, you know, did a, an amazing job throughout school. And I think that, you know, to your point, you know, she called not too long ago and said, Zach, hey, can you take a look at this? Because we're looking at this from a cash flow perspective, which I thought, okay, hey, that's really mature. And I like that. I mean, I, I would love to help with that. Of course, that's what we do here, right? We help people with financial issues. And um, so we were going through it and, it. and all of a sudden it was like, hey, my interest weight went from like, I, I'm going to not have these correct, but a couple 3%. And now all of a sudden it hit a balloon time frame, and now it jumped to 8%. And that mm. is a real number on the back end. Yikes. And I'm going, what? You know, and it's like, well, some of them were secured and backed by the government. Some of them are not. Mm. I don't understand all of that world because I have not had to, 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 right. to go to that for my own education, but it, it, as I see more and more clients over the last 15 plus years, it's become very clear to me that not only has interest rates maybe not been capped, on past that point, you might get a couple years out of the gates where interest rates are reasonable, but then all of a sudden things can balloon to a massive, massive number. I know it did for her. You know, her, she at the time um, had just married her husband. I said, hey, guys, if I'm you, go refinance your vehicles. I mean, go get something where you can drop and suppress that interest rate in a big way so this thing doesn't, you know, kind of get out of control. And so, yes, I think that, you know, that's an amazing idea that should be floated around. And once again, I think maybe we can land the plane where we, where we took off is like, I just don't know from like a fairness perspective, how that sits well with a lot of folks, right? I don't expect people to take on, you know, my financial decisions. I wouldn't expect to take on yours. And I think that that's a little bit of kind of where this rub is coming in, right? It's like, hey, if, if you were really, you know, I mean, if people saw the first home that I lived in, you know, if they saw the, 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 the clunker that I drove, like, I mean, I had to do it within a respective budget and I right. had a, and I was so blessed to have a scholarship, but I've seen a lot of people, hardworking people like you that have said, Hey, my, my sister's example, like, Hey, we will make a lot of sacrifices so we can make sure that we take care of this, get this monkey off our back, and then we can take the next step in, in, in our life journey and, and I think that that's a tough thing, you know, to, to, to digest yeah. if you're the person that's already done that. 
personal responsibility, folks. Personal responsibility. Um, just a couple guys sitting around with mics solving the government's problems. Uh, yes. <laughs> it sounds like just an average Wednesday around here. I know. I know it. That's. Uh, I mean, glad to do it. And uh, hopefully, you know, Washington's tuning in. Hey, there you go. Well, thanks for your time. We are going to wrap it up. That'll do it for us today. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, give us a call. The number is 815-918-4727. I'll even make sure Zach signs and autographs a copy of his book, Your Retirement Lifeblood. We'll get that out to you for sure. Make sure you let Amber know uh, when she answers the phone when you call that you heard about us from the Digging In podcast. That'll do it for us today. Until next time, keep digging in. This was Digging In Podcast. Presented by Rooted Wealth Advisors.